Stevie Nicks podcast, where we discuss all things Stevie. I'm Leslie. I'm Melinda. And today we have a Stevie Nicks, Don Henley doubleheader commentary. The Million Lady Scent of Stevie Nicks and Stevie Nicks and Sheryl Crow take on Nancy Sinatra in an epic catfight in the White House. Hey, Melinda. Hey, Leslie. What is your Stevie status this week? <laughs> Moonlight. Oh. Yeah, uh, the vampire song. Because I am like completely obsessed with what we do in the shadows. The TV series or the movie? Well, both. I got into okay. that one like a couple of years ago and owned it on DVD and watched it obsessively. And then the series came out and I finally got around to watching both seasons. And it's fucking hilarious. Even to the extent I've like made up plots in my mind of future episodes. One of which actually involves Stevie Nicks as a guest star slash oh, that'd be amazing. captive in their house. So, <laughs> oh. oh man, that would be amazing. That'd be a great episode. Yeah. What about you? I know this is a Stevie Nicks podcast, but I love that show so mm. much. As gay as I am, the guy who plays, oh my God, and I can't remember the character's Vandor. name at the moment. Yes. The one without the girlfriend. Uh, yeah, right. The the uh, Persian yeah. Frank Zappa. Yes. Such a crush on that he guy. He's my favorite. Like, I follow him on I Instagram. I love him too. I'm gay too. <laughs> yeah. I love him. Yeah. He is just, he's adorable to me. Um, oh my he God. He's so, so adorable and so funny. And so hilarious. Yes, that's that's a great show. I think it's hilarious that we both think the same thing about him. I mean, that's really weird that we're agreeing on this and also Stevie Nicks. Um, you know, yeah. Is there, perhaps, is there a cross between Stevie Nicks fans and what we do in the shadows? I bet there has to be. There just has to be. We're going to have to post a picture of uh, Nandor on Put little hearts around our Twitter and Instagram accounts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's ask Stevie what she thinks. Yes. Okay. D- consider it done. Consider it done. You have something really awesome for us this week. Mm, thank you. For anyone who just started listening, we're kind of going through um, all Stevie Nicks songs, albums and songs. and talking about them. And we've been going through Belladonna forever, it seems. But I'll start. We could probably speed it up a yeah, bit. Yeah, we, we yeah. Yes, and that, indeed, we did speed it up a little bit because this yeah. time- We probably should. Yeah, you know. Uh, but this time, uh, I took two songs from the album. Normally, we go song by song like you're listening to it on uh, in a sequential manner. I'm not going to date it with technological, technological stuff like CDs or records. But anyway, I took two songs that she recorded with Don Henley on the album, everybody knows Leather and Lace, but um, actually he uh, sings back up on The Highwayman, which is the last song on the album. Today, we'll be talking about two Belladonna tracks for the price of one commentary, Leather and Lace and The Highwayman. The two songs, when taken back to back, present an interesting contrast between what a love affair could be and what it actually is from the standpoint of a woman navigating the man's world of rock and roll. That woman, of course, being one Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks's love affairs are, for better or worse, an integral element of her music and has been from pretty much day one. Her teenage romance with guitarist Lindsey Buckingham took root as a musical partnership that bloomed into the explosive He Said, She Said rock opera known worldwide as Fleetwood Mac's Rumors album. 
And from that day forward, the die was cast for Stevie fans, long after her breakup with Buckingham. Any Stevie song could easily be heard as a sonic snapshot of an actual love affair or a pastiche portrait of various suitors, always accompanied by the question, who is Stevie singing about this time? In their quest to marry words and melodies, songwriters utilize various tools. Some play guitars. Others play keyboards or bass. Stevie Nicks plays love affairs. And Stevie Nicks has had a lot of love affairs. One of the most famous involved Don Henley, whom Stevie met when Fleetwood Mac was on tour with Henley's band, The Eagles. It was a whirlwind romance complete with Learjet rendezvous at luxury hotels. They also workshopped together as songwriters, with Henley taking the role of the critic and taskmaster. He pushed Stevie to hear her songs with an objective ear, sometimes telling her that what she had written was not yet good enough and urging her to get back to work. Leather and Lace was a product of Don Henley's songwriting boot camp. Stevie had originally written the song for country star Waylon Jennings and his wife Jessie Coulter, but when the couple broke up, Stevie swooped in to reclaim it, refusing to give it back even after the two had reunited. The rest is proverbial history. Leather and Lace became the second single off the Belladonna album, following her duet with Tom Petty, Stop Dragging My Heart Around. Leather and Lace is a gentle bomb, soothing the welts left by the ferocious fuck you of the Petty duet. Its delicate beauty is undeniable, but folded within the musical origami is an exploration of male and female energies and how they contrast in their quest for harmony. The song begins with the convergence of the gentle chime of keyboards and a down-homey acoustic guitar, instrumental stand-ins for the ethereal female lead and the desperado who stole her heart. Our heroine is in a contemplative mood, musing, is love so fragile and the heart so hollow, shatter with words impossible to follow. She confronts her man with the truth about herself, disabusing him of his illusion of her as a damsel in distress. I have my own life, and I am stronger than you know. Our hero, voiced by Henley, admits that he, too, is a different person behind his tough facade. Sometimes I'm a strong man, sometimes cold and scared, and sometimes I cry. Paired with the opening lyric about the fragility of love, these confessions tell the truth about gender roles, how in living up to the expectations placed upon them by society, men and women deceive one another. Predicated upon this mandatory dishonesty, the union of male and female is a delicate alliance, doomed to shatter on impact when one or both parties fail to adhere to their respective stereotypes. The song ultimately rejects these stereotypes and their outward trappings, calling for a mutual surrender in which the couple stop hiding behind societal expectations of femininity and masculinity. Give to me your leather, demands the heroine. Take from me my lace. Symbolically stripped of their unrealistic and oppressive gender roles, the would-be damsel and faux desperado achieve true intimacy. The honesty and trust proposed by Leather and Lace is a romantic ideal that would be difficult for any couple to achieve, let alone a rock and roll power couple at the height of their popularity. Although the song was written for a different couple, 
Its most likely inspiration comes from Stevie's relationship with Don Henley. Beyond the obvious signpost of Henley's presence in the song, the lyric, When I walked into your house, I knew I'd never want to leave, strikes me as a tip-off. The image of the house is a throwback to a lyric from the song Sarah, which Stevie wrote for Fleetwood Mac's album Tusk, and has been acknowledged to varying degrees by both she and Henley to have been written about their romance. When you build your house, call me home, Stevie sings in Sarah, an invitation that sadly neither party ended up taking. The Highwayman, Stevie's second collaboration with Henley on the Belladonna album, is a more realistic depiction of the struggles she faced as a woman seeking connection in the man's world of rock. Given that this song sounds like a dark fairy tale in the spirit of Nathaniel Hawthorne or Edgar Allan Poe, describing it as realistic might seem like a bit of a stretch, but hear me out. Accompanied by simple arpeggiated notes as played by Wadi Wachtel on guitar, Stevie tells the tale of the highwayman, the one who comes and goes, and only the highway woman keeps up with the likes of those. Theirs is a romance complicated by the conflict of egos, taking shape as a horse race into the night. This is not the first time Stevie has used competition as an analogy for her romantic struggles. Rolling the tape as far back as her Buckingham Knicks days in 1974, we hear Stevie taking flight after her man in Long Distance Winter, setting up a paradigm in which love is not an honest compromise like the one celebrated in Leather and Lace, but a battle for dominance. It was a race she conceded long ago. You're too fast, she tells her man. You're the winner. Stevie's return to this analogy in 1981 is telling. The source material for her songs being love affairs with men who both collaborate and compete with her for the spotlight. The odds are not in her favor, and she seems to have known it all along. As she chases beneath the moon on her dragonfly horse in The Highwayman, Stevie ponders her motives for taking this man as a challenge. She wonders, is this real, or does she just want to be queen? A lyric that cuts to the core of her romance with Henley, the Alpha Eagle, a man who was both a collaborator and a competitor. Their union, had it survived, would have positioned them as the power couple of sweet California rock. But with both lovers pitted against their feelings as much as each other, it was simply not meant to be. The Highwayman is framed as a dream about a life already lived before and eyes welled with tears. It's a life that continues from the Buckingham Knicks days to the Belladonna era. Only this time around, an older and wiser Stevie recognizes the futility of the races she's run, but ever the romantic cannot resist their pull. Today, and still today, they ride. Will they ever win? He the glory, she the love, and still they try again. Melinda, that was great. Thank you. Yeah, that was really good. That was beautiful. Uh, Some beautiful language in there. Thank you. Thank you. I I was an English major, and so I... Yeah, you're a writer. Thank you. One of the things that... I want to talk about Leather and Lace for a second. Um, I don't know if this was the person who I who I, if it was, a, it was a reflection on the person that I knew, um, or this is something that other people think about that song, but some people, or at least this one person that I know, took 
give to me your leather, take from me my lace is sort of like a BDSM sort of thing. I knew it. It, and it's probably the wrong words for now. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure what the like latest languages around that. Oh man, yeah, right. I know what you mean. Yeah, because of the language where she says, and you and you spun it a different way. I like the way you talked about gender and that, um, but the way that she says, you know, I give or no, um, give to me your leather, she, take my yes. lace, take. Yeah, like you give me this, and then you take this from me. I know. Me. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like it, it, you know, I went. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I I never thought of that at all until someone brought it up. For me, I saw this as kind of a mutual surrender thing in a way. I mean, uh, but I don't know. It's kind of weird because it does still, in its way, kind of reinforce the gender stereotypes. I mean, the male is only giving away power a woman is never going to take it from him mm -hmm. and then a female things are traditionally taken from us you know so i mean in a weird way that i've twisted uh with my own waste of education with my english <laughs> i can see it as just kind of a an ironic reinforcement of the stuff that she's mm -hmm. trying to uh, reject. Um, so who knows? I mean, it is an interesting take though. Pretty freaking, uh, kinky. Uh, you hang out with a rough crowd, Leslie. <laughs> the Highwayman is, is probably definitely one of my favorite songs on that album. Actually, a Highwayman is, uh, you're gonna you're gonna die. It's my favorite song from the album. Yeah, totally love really? it. I, I love it for English major reasons. I hear this song as uh, a descendant of Hawthorne. You know, like the headless horseman of Sleepy Hollow. Uh, I feel it as a descendant of Edgar Allan Poe. Even uh, mm -hmm. the you know the the nightmarish you know madman that is irresistible. Mm -hmm. You know all of that. It's I I get a lot of that good down home American Gothic from this song. So mm -hmm. I never, I never get, it's my favorite. So. And it's, it is a perfect ending to any album, but especially that album. It's yeah. It's, it's yeah. She just really knocked it out of the park with this, uh, with the Belladonna album. And I'm really glad we started with this. Remember we were kicking around doing some Fleetwood yeah. Mac stuff at first and we we're like, no, let's just stick to Belladonna. It was, it was a sound decision. So that was great. Thanks, Melinda. Thank you. Take us all the way back to Christmas 2020, which was like a month ago. I got a lot of Stevie gifts, Stevie-related gifts in the mail. And I kept I kept sending pictures of them to you, Melinda, saying, did you send me this? Because it would just be like coming from some other place, you know, like a third party. And I had no idea uh, where it was coming from. And it kept being, literally, you kept being like, nope, nope, nope. So I really had to track down. I'm like, I, I looked at it. I'm like, how lot dare of you ask me if I sent you yeah. garbage? <laughs> I'd be like, no, not me. No, everything was <laughs> No, good. I'm totally kidding. But, I'm being a jerk. But you did actually send me... Um, this is something I haven't seen yet. Well, you sent me two things, uh, but one of them was a air freshener, a Stevie Nicks air <laughs> freshener. Um, yeah. And the thing is, is when I first got it, I, I opened it up 
And, you know, I, I smelled a little bit and I was like, oh, okay. And then I just sort of kept them there on the counter. Um, and then I came back uh, like a few days later and I opened it up and smelled it again. Oh, yeah. Sorry. There's two air fresheners that come with mm-hmm. it. And so I came back and I smelled it again and I couldn't smell it. And that is a main sign of COVID. So I flipped out. I, I my heart just started pounding. Holy shit, really? I, yeah. So I, just, I opened it because my throat is, is a little sore anyway. It was sore. So it anyway. started slowly closing, and you couldn't breathe. Yeah, the whole world was just like closing in on me. I mean, it, two two days before it had a pretty strong scent. So I just I ran to the refrigerator and opened it and like looked for like the A one sauce. <laughs> a heavy smell. And smelled it, and I could smell that. Uh-huh. Oh, thank you. So I'm just like, well, that's kind of weird that it lost scent that that fast. But okay, well, whatever it did. Uh-huh. And then I call you, or I talk to you like a couple days later, and you mention, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I sent you. I sent you one scented and one unscented. <laughs> I was like, you jerk. <laughs> just... <laughs> can't do that during COVID. It was all a complete accident. I mean, I would not have done that on purpose, but that I did it anyway. And still, you know, without any malice that I can enjoy it, you know, it's like very funny. And and, that I didn't actually do it. If I actually did that, I would feel like, ha 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 at first. And then I would feel really bad right away. And so (laughs) I couldn't do that. (laughs) But uh, hey, it turned out really funny. And so... So I got a pretty cool air freshener and a pretty big skin. Yeah. Uh, Merry Halloween to you, Leslie. Yes, and right. April Fool's to go. Yes. <laughs> You're you. so yeah. welcome. Well, you know, the whole the yeah. whole idea of giving you the two was that um, one was called, I think, Million Lady, something like that. That scent was called Million Lady. I picked it up specifically because I'm like- It was called what? Million Lady. Oh, okay. Okay. Check it out in the packaging if you still have it. And I'm like, what the hell does a million lady smell like? And and I was <laughs> hoping you could tell me what it smelled like. And then I thought, you know what? That might not smell very good. And I don't expect Leslie to be driving around Portland smelling like a million ladies. That could leave a bad impression. So <laughs> so I gave you an unscented one so you could still have the cool looking thing hanging off your mirror. So sorry it went so horribly awry. That's that's okay. It's a very fun thing to have. So thank you. So um, I saw uh, recently in the news, because as you and I uh, highly recommend to all witches out there, keep the Stevie um, alerts coming from Google. You know, you can manipulate things a certain kind of way and only hear about Stevie Nicks, which is what I do. Highly recommend yeah. that. Uh, but anyway, I got a, a story and maybe you've seen it too, Leslie. Oh, yeah. Somebody apparently exhumed Nancy Sinatra. And when Nancy Sinatra came <laughs> back from the- She's still alive. Oh, okay. Well, I thought that maybe the reanimated corpse of Nancy Sinatra came uh, forward to complain about Stevie Nicks. And Cheryl, and Cheryl Crow. Have you seen that story? She complained. Oh, that's right. She did complain about Cheryl Crow too. Yes, I did see this story. And uh, I, I, and maybe because I'm not. So, do you want to tell the story? No, no I what? started it. You, you take oh, it out okay. of the park, Leslie. Do it. So Nancy Sinatra was at an event at the White House during Bill Clinton's presidency, 
And she saw Cheryl Crow and Stevie Nicks there and wanted to go up and talk to them. Yeah. Apparently they were introduced and Stevie Nicks and Cheryl Crow apparently were not interested in interacting with Nancy Sinatra any further. Yeah, she says she made an effort to shake hands. Yeah, they shook hands. I, I'm not sure what that is, but that they weren't interested. So I'm not sure what I think they were introduced. I think that what it you know, when I'm looking I'm playing it in my mind like the Zapruda film of the Kennedy assassination, you know, and here's Nancy Sinatra coming in for the handshake and Stevie Nicks rolling her eyes and Cheryl Crow sneering, you know, and their hands touch and it's frozen ice. And then um of course, Nancy Sinatra fades into irrelevance, only to come back later to complain about it. I don't think either of us are like quite old enough to know the damn full width about and breadth of Nancy, Nancy Sinatra. <laughs> yeah, but all I all I know is probably what you know is that these boots are made for walking. That's it. Yeah. So I I mean I don't know why you would ever be rude to anyone, but who knows? Plus, sometimes Whatever. you just don't notice anything. Like Stevie can't see. Most of the time, anyway. Like, I'm sure really she's wearing vision, those so. really dark glasses. And, yeah. you know, she's had a couple, you know, bottles of Stoli or something, you know. and Not at that time. How do you know? She's I, running I with Cheryl Crow at this point. You know. Oh, yeah. please, Cheryl Crow's not. <laughs> she's like, Cheryl Crow probably doesn't even drink. Well, this was like in 2000, before, yeah. you know. I mean, everybody got old really quick. And this was before then. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, anyway, I just thought like, okay, yeah, you weren't acknowledged by Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks probably wouldn't acknowledge me either. It's She's just, not going to acknowledge just, anybody, you know, but her yeah. record producer. Clearly. I mean, yeah. Cheryl Crow was there. Nobody else even had to be there. Or, okay, Bill Clinton, of course. Yeah. But that's about it. She was only there. You know, whatever. I mean, you know, I think it's kind of sad. And, and uh, Nancy, you know, come on. You know, be a big girl. She's. I, I looked her up, yeah. and she's eighty years old. So it's time to put on the big girl. Oh, she's pants. in the let's complain about everything phase of life. I understand. Uh, no need to say anymore. <laughs> everything hurts. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, yeah. yeah. So I'm so sorry. It, the sound of the tiniest violin is being played for you right now, Nancy yes. Sinatra. I want to introduce a new segment. We're not going to do it now, but we will do it in the future. It's something that I wish someone would do for me, and I'm going to do it for all of you. And that is, I'm reading it so you don't have to. I am going to go through all the books that are Stevie adjacent, like the book written by Joe Walsh's girlfriend, or the book written by Lindsay Buckingham's girlfriend, ex-girlfriends. This is funny to me. This is, it should be like its own genre. Um, the girlfriends of Stevie Nicks's ex-boyfriends. Yeah, right. Who write books? Yeah, I think this could be yeah. like this would actually bring me back for my doctorate. Actually, if you could find like <laughs> more of those, totally write a doctorate on that. I can. Mm. There are a lot of adjacent books where Stevie Nicks is mentioned. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read them. I am going to write down just all the Stevie mentions, and then I'm going to come on here. <laughs> And let you know what they are. Awesome. That way you don't have to read some book about Joe Walsh and his girlfriend. Okay. Yeah. I, and thank you already for that. Yeah. You're welcome. Ahead of time. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think we've pretty much covered everything that we set out to do yep. today, I think. Thanks for listening. Goodbye, witches. It's been a Stevie Nicks podcast. 
You can find us on Twitter at Hello Witches Pod and on Instagram at Hello Witches Podcast.